The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. So what's up, Alex and Kyle? I almost said Molly because your name says Molly. Oh, uh, we're doing good. I'm doing good, at least. I don't know about Alex. Good old pet. Oh, I'm just fine. Yeah. I am just perfectly fine. You assume correctly. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pat's always in a good... Uh, well, you, I think you both are typically pretty positive. So last week, Kyle was at the Illinois game. I forget who they were playing. And you were really drunk. And you said you wanted to, f- yeah. you said you wanted to fight me. And then somehow I was like, <laughs> we should do a podcast together. Because I thought that'd be funny, so... Yeah, it was a it was a fun time. Um, I can't believe we lost to UTSA or whatever, but it was the it was the first college football game I got to go to because uh, when I was in college, I went to McKendree University in uh, Lebanon, Illinois. Uh, I worked all the sporting events, so like I would be there and I would root for McKendree because that's where I went, of course. But I never really got to you know sit and tailgate and all that stuff. So it was a fun experience. Yeah, I've been to, I think, I was just thinking about it last night. I think I've been to, like, six college football games. What about you, Pat? So, um, my alma mater is Concordia University, Chicago. So, I went to a lot of those games, and our family were Illini fans. So, I've been to, when my brother was at U of I from 05 to 2010, um, we went to homecoming pretty much every year. And actually, uh one of the games we were at, it was a big, it was 2007. And I believe that was the homecoming game. They upset Wisconsin at home. And that was a big, big win. And uh, that was probably the best college football game I ever went to. The last Illini game I went to, that was 2016. And they lost in overtime to Purdue because they iced our kicker three times in overtime. Wow. So yeah, (laughs) yeah, that was, uh, that was something. And I was with my Purdue fan friends. So yeah, that was a fun ride home. But at least on the on the ride home, it was 2016. Uh on the radio, we listened to game two of the NLDS when the Cubs uh, went nothing in that series. So oh, forget okay. that whole that whole game. I was at a game in it must have been 2015 because the Cubs were playing game one of the NLCS against the Mets. And I was at the UVA Syracuse game and I think UVA won that game. And then, of course, I was so excited for the NLCS that night, and then the Cubs lost and whatever. But, uh, yeah, Illinois played at UVA today. And I know for you guys, well, I'm assuming you're both, like, Illinois fans, right? So, tough loss. But um, yeah. it's, it's funny It's funny because Virginia is not exactly known for football, obviously. But, I mean, they, they beat up William & Mary, like, 45 nothing last week, which, I mean, they should beat William & Mary 45 nothing. Nothing against them, but... If Virginia's trying to be relevant, they can't just squeak by teams. So they put up two good performances in a row, even if Illinois is kind of down and William & Mary is William & Mary. But Virginia does have one of the best uh, home records in, like, the entire nation. I saw a stat couple, like, recently. They're, like, right up there with other teams over their last 20-some games. So regardless of who they've played, they've been really good at home at least. So anyway... Not to go on a UVA tangent, but I guess, did you, did you guys watch that game today? No, I, I missed it, no. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't watch it. I was watching the um, Oregon-Ohio uh, oh. State game. 
Yeah, so Ohio State lost, which sucks. But you know what? Whatever. I saw that Oregon all time now is one and nine against Ohio State. And that includes that loss in the championship game a few years ago. So good for Oregon to finally get a win. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that I didn't even know that stat. That's crazy. I didn't know the stat either, but um yeah, I always like to make the joke. I mean, I have nothing against Oregon, but I saw this and it's funny. The 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 big O in their name can stand for zero national championships at their school because they've never won a title or <laughs> uh, anything. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Um, it's funny because Ohio State uh, is obviously not exactly well-liked, you know, anywhere really, but... Uh, the especially evil empire, basically. Right. Especially in Illinois. But Justin Fields is the new savior, quote unquote, for the Bears. So and it's kind of funny, too, because I kind of feel like it could be like, I don't know, like two negatives finally working out because the Bears have never had a quarterback. Ohio State quarterbacks never really work out in the NFL. Maybe the two together. It's finally going to work out. Maybe once he actually gets the play. Right. Yeah, you definitely hope. I mean, you know, it's I, I I'll say this. A lot of people will say, oh, look at the program. It's never produced an NFL quarterback. But you can look at a number of programs that great quarterbacks came from, including Pat Mahomes. And it's not like where he came from. It's not like they're a quarterback history, you know, Rich. Right. So, you know, I I think that could be a little overblown at times. I just, here's what gets me more than anything. The Chicago Bears have been around longer than almost everybody. Almost everybody. And yet they've never had a quarterback with 4,000 plus passing yards in a season. They've been around a century and they've, they haven't had a quarterback do it. And listen, I get it for the longest time. It was all about pounding the ball and trickery. But when you look at every single other franchise, having 4,000 plus yards, at least once, you would think that the team that's been around pretty much the longest would have one, but they haven't. I just, I think that's nuts. It is. It's pretty insane. I know, like, I don't know what the yardage that Trubisky has for the Bears all time. I feel like, I don't know, I don't know if it was Trubisky even. It might have been Trubisky or just some other average or below average quarterback. Technically, his stats, like, yardage-wise, was, like, amongst the highest for that team because of that very reason. The fact that the bar is not yes, very high. Yeah. The yeah. bar is not very high. So, mm-hmm. whatever it is, what does he have? I don't even know. But, but yeah, so are you, well, I know Kyle's a Cardinals fan, so we'll get to that in a second, but uh, are you guys looking forward to the Bears game against the Rams? Yes and no. I mean, I'm I'm glad football's back. I always look forward to watching my team, and I love talking about it on Swarovski Sports Chicago. I'm going to be going into, I think, my fifth full season for the Bears doing that podcast, but I think they're going to get killed. It's I, I just, their line yeah. is questionable. I don't think Andy Dalton alone is going to carry the team, and you know, they have Aaron Darnold who is going to feast on a hurt line and the bears are on the road. It's, it's hard to win on the road in the NFL. So, um, you know, I'll be glad when we get to see the team again and we get to see meaningful games, but in terms of just, you know, how I think the bears are going to do, I I don't think it's going to be pretty. I don't. And, and Eddie Goldman is out. So big, big, big loss, big loss. Yeah, Kyle, you have a you have a football podcast. So have you guys been talking about the Bears? I mean, I'm, you, you've probably been covering the entire league, but what have you guys been talking about with the Bears or anybody for that matter? Well, so we were doing um, we were doing each division uh, predictions, but we kind of hit the ball and we hadn't recorded for two months until yesterday. 
I got a new episode out yesterday. So we kind of stopped doing that. So I never, I haven't got through my full season. I was going to look at game by game, how the bears were going to do, but this podcast, I listened to strong opinion sports, uh, really uh, by Zach Schaumler. I really like him, but his prediction was he thought they would go four and 13 this year. I thought that was a little harsh, yeah, but he yeah. did talk about the line questions. Um, and then I don't know, I don't know the defense all that well, but I thought the defense was a little bit better. I know you guys might have some questions at cornerback, but uh, that was his prediction. And Thought it was interesting. Um, he also predicted, which I I don't think will happen, but he predicted Andy Dalton to start until like week nine because uh, he just wants Justin mm. Fields to be ready before they throw I've heard him similar. In yeah, so. I've heard similar. You know, I had, um, so I had Jeff Meller from ESPN 1000 on a couple weeks ago, and I asked him for his projection on the Bears record, and he didn't really have that kind of prediction because he was like, look, it's like for the most part we hear seven to ten, seven to nine wins usually for that team, and so he was like, "I don't want to make a, a a prediction on the record because it's either like like four and thirteen is a nice extreme because that's really kind of bold putting yourself out there." He was basically he was like, "I don't think the Bears are really a playoff team. They might win seven games or whatever it is, but he didn't really put a number on it because he was like, it's not really bold to to put yeah they're gonna go seven and ten or." whatever and then they end up either being exactly that or or you look bad because they're extremely bad or extremely good for you know so he didn't have a, a number to put on it but he was like I don't think they're a playoff team but yeah I get the excitement for fields for whenever he does play my thing is Nagy is probably like one of the greatest people you could come across it seems like but he's just not a good head coach at least to this point and uh I just don't trust him he has no idea what he's doing he's just word salad he uh, he's all about he's all about just spinning in circles in terms of what he's trying to say. And it's like half the time it's like, just shut up, like, just don't say anything or just say, I'm the coach. This is my decision and done. We don't have to go into the whys. And, you know, we got to learn about the process. He, you know, Andy Dalton, he's a big part of this team. And he you know, I really like the process here. And he just got to know the why. You know, he always has to do this, this uh word salad with whatever he's talking about so i don't know do you think that matt Nagy has any idea do you think he do you trust him with this offense and and fields going forward so i mean to sum up my opinion on matt Nagy, i like him as a head coach but not as an offensive coordinator whatsoever and here's my concern with andy dalton to start off in tomorrow's game i just he's gonna call super conservative predictable play calling they're gonna have to do brain surgery just to try to get a first down like they have the past few years and that's going to drive you nuts and then when you bring in uh Justin Fields are they going to allow him to just let out the arsenal or are they just going to continue to be like yeah we're going to do some nice uh bubble screens and you know maybe simple read options which if it calls for that sure but you can't just keep doing that I mean it's the play calling has been just it's been really frustrating. And at least last year, towards the end of last year, when Bill Lazor took over, you saw a bit more of a mixed bag and yet not trying to be too fancy or complicated. You saw them establish a run. That's really important. And Matt Nagy, while play calling has not been good in any of his years at establishing a good run game, and they finally got that established when Bill Lazor was calling the plays. 
So if Matt Nagy wants to stay our head coach, fine. He seems to have established a good culture, but I would really, really yeah. like it if Bill Lazor was calling the plays. And I'm not saying Bill Lazor is even a great play caller, but he seemed to do enough last year where they could actually just move the damn ball. You know, it just, that's yeah. what I would like to see, but that's clearly not happening right now. I think you said it right that Nagy is probably a good head coach in terms of like keeping the team together or whatever, mm-hmm. but he, he's supposed to be this offensive guru and that's right. never shown up. So the Andy Reid tree, you know, I mean, oh. how many of these tree guys, whether it's Andy Reid or Bill Belichick, they try to bring that same level to another team and it just doesn't work. I and mean, how many Bill Belichick tree guys have just completely fallen on their face? Mm-hmm. in this league like more than really you all count. of them yeah i think all of yeah. them yeah yeah but yeah so kyle do you have any thoughts well what's your what what what, what are you thinking what do you think about the bears or naggy <laughs> well it's kind of you know as we're going to be jumping into the cardinals in a little bit it's probably about the same situation like you know cliff kingsbury is supposed to be this guru uh but he's kind of like naggy and he he can't figure out play calling and that's the whole point of him being here, supposed to be helping Kyler Murray, and he hasn't done that. So similarities between the Bears and Arizona. And then, you know, with him starting Andy Dolan, you know, quote-unquote, like promising him the job. Oh, the fans are going to be calling for Justin Fields all season. Oh, yeah. And, and that's so, exactly like, what I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, especially, like, Andy Dolan makes one interception and it's, it's going to be, you know, Justin Fields. It'll be like, uh, what was it? 2011 it all over again when Tebow was in Denver, you know, uh, Kyle Orton makes one mistake. They're going to be yelling for, you know, with the, with the bears, it's kind of like Matt Nagy better hope Dalton looks really good to make him look justified in starting him. But then also they could say, okay, well this didn't work. So we can, t- essentially blame Dalton and say, okay, Fields is the guy. But then what happens if Fields struggles because Nagy's offense just doesn't work? I feel like he always has these these built-in excuses for the next thing. And then if finally, once Fields gets in there, is it essentially going to be him masking Nagy's flaws, which shouldn't really be the case. I mean, if you're if he's making you look good, then you're not the coach that you're supposed to be. You're not the coach that you were built as because you're supposed to be the guy who's this offensive genius, offensive guru who can get the best out of whatever you've gotten. And as bad as Trubisky was, did he ever really do anything to help utilize his strengths? Again, he was not a good quarterback, so it's not like he really had much that I guess he could do. But Mitch could run, right? So it's like they wouldn't even let him do that half the time, right? So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, you know, Trubisky was kind of a shared blame. The play calling wasn't good. And Mitch Trubisky, you know, I, I always appreciated his effort, his attitude, his work ethic, but he just, you know, he didn't have the greatest arm. It wasn't, you know, a Tim Tebow arm, but it was not exactly an Aaron Rodgers arm by any means. And it just, the, the instincts and the IQ in the NFL for him, it just, it just wasn't there. And we also got to remember, too, he didn't have that much starting experience in college. And that was one thing that a lot of people talked about when he was drafted is that, yeah, he had this accuracy, but he, he didn't really have much experience. So, I mean, I just 
you're getting a guy in Justin Fields that's not only a lot more experienced, but a lot more polished in terms of what he can do. And I just, I think, you know, you compare the football IQ between Fields and Trubisky. And I mean, Fields is off the charts compared to Trubisky. And, you know, I, I wish Trubisky the best. I really do. But, you know, you have probably the most dynamic quarterback you've ever had. And I just pray they don't just screw it up. I, I really do. I wasn't misremembering, was I, in terms of, like, with Nagy? He didn't really let Mitch run that much, did he? Or it was just kind of Early like, on, yes. I, Early on, yeah. yes. Um, I also think that Mitch might have been – this is just a theory of mine. He might have been a bit more hesitant to run himself at times. I don't know if you remember this, but in 2018, they had that big win against the Vikings on Monday Night Football that kind of established them as the front runners of the division that year. And that was when he had a late hit on him after he ran, he slid down um, and he got hit hard and it was a flag. And then he ended up missing two games. And I can't help but wonder if there were some long-term effects from that. I don't know. I just, it's just what I think, but you know, like I said, at the end of the day, it was a little a column A, a little column B. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's see. So yeah. So with Kyle's Cardinals. So it's funny because I feel like the Cardinals are in that playoff conversation. But like you said, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, you know, and I would say it's more like more so because of a guy like Kyler Murray, which I mean, when you think about it, any NFL team is only going to be as good as their quarterback is. So if you have a really good quarterback, you're probably a playoff potential type team. But I feel like with the Cardinals, they should definitely be in that conversation, but they got, I know they got AJ green and uh, you know, Kyler Murray is dynamic, but Cliff Kingsbury is kind of on the hot seat, it sounds like. So what's the vibe that you're hearing with the Cardinals? Like, is it kind of like they better get off to a good start or could like Kingsbury be fired if they get off to a two and five start or something like that? Well, I I think with Arizona, I think they have a pretty, you know, even even or pretty tough schedule. But, you know, if they do get off to a bad start and say, you know, Murray's struggling or the play calling is not working, you know, with all those, all the receivers. And, uh, I mean, we don't have a, I mean, we have decent running backs, but not great, but you know, if it starts off bad, you know, it, they could possibly think about firing him. I don't know if they would. Cause I mean, it is only year three. So I would think they would let him finish the season, but bait, but they did bring in JJ Watt and, you know, all the moves they did make, uh, if they do, you know, start off bad and struggle. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. The only thing is if uh, they need to think about is, you know, if they do fire uh, Cliff during the season, then the offense is going to be, you know, probably changing for the most part, whoever, you know, it'd probably be uh, who's our uh, defense coordinator, what Vance Joseph. I mean, he would, I think he would probably take the team over. So I imagine the offense would be a little bit different. Uh, so then Murray has to, you know, learn a new offense then, but they, if they do fire him at the end of the season, then, you know, again, with like any NFL quarterback, you know, he's going to be having to learn a, a new offense next year. And you're already going into year four of his, you know, rookie deal. And you got to start deciding whether Murray is the answer as the franchise quarterback. I think he is. I think he is, but, um, you know, like I said, you just, uh, you'll, you'll start answering that question, whether you want to pay him, you know, whatever contract he's uh, wanting. So, uh, but just like the bears and most NFL teams, I mean, uh, 
Uh, our biggest weakness right now on the defense is cornerback, and we really didn't address that in free agency. We did bring in Butler, but he abruptly retired at the end of um, preseason, just just decided to retire. I heard it was personal reasons. So, like I said on my uh, podcast yesterday, I really hope you know everything's good with him and he gets everything figured out and maybe he comes back to football in a year or so or whatever happens. But in the draft, you know, I I thought we would go cornerback first round and they ended up going linebacker, which we went linebacker last year. But we could have had Caleb Farley, which got drafted by uh, Georgia's Titans. But uh, we went cornerback in the third uh, and fourth round or fourth and fifth round or some. And now those are our two, our second and third string uh, cornerbacks, our third string, fourth string. So they're going to be playing uh, this season. So I guess we'll see what happens. I think that's our biggest weakness. We have Robert Alford, I think, who hasn't played in like two seasons because of injuries. And then uh, we got Murphy, uh, Brian Murphy or some. Byron Murphy or some, uh, that was a slot corner. So now they're going to be playing on the outside while we have our two drafted cornerbacks. So will probably be playing slot. Yeah. Byron Murphy. And also, yeah, Vance Joseph is the defensive coordinator. What do you, what do you guys think about new England? Do you think that Mac Jones can be the next, I won't say Brady, but just the next, you know, big thing. And yeah, I mean, Obviously, Belichick. I don't know. I'd love to know what he was thinking last season with with Brady and winning it all without him and all that. I I'd love to know what was going through his mind in the off season as he tried to get back. And I, he's never gonna say it, but you know, Belichick wants uh, his seventh ring. I mean, obviously, but also without Brady to show like, oh, it's not just him. I can do it too. So, what do you think about New England? Do you think that they can get back to that? kind of step this season at least at least making the playoffs and showing legit promise yeah you know I think Mac Jones fits in very well there and when they took Mac Jones I'm like yeah no I could totally see this and when the Bears traded up and it was between Mac Jones and Justin Fields I mean what I basically said was I pray it's Justin Fields and it was no disrespect to Mac Jones I just don't think Mac Jones would fit very well here while in New England I think he could fit very well I'm not sure about playoffs yet, but I think they could definitely take a step forward and people could say, hey, you know what? We're establishing Mac Jones here. We think that the future is bright. If they show enough promise, then they can at least maybe be in a hunt. And then maybe the year after that, they're legit contending again. So overall, I I do like Mac Jones and he's, he's the guy. I mean, he is the guy now. So it's not like we're going to be waiting on Mac Jones. He's he's their guy now, so we're going to see right away. And we we're going to see all the uh, the, the rookie quarterbacks right away. Trevor Lawrence, uh, besides Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones. Uh, I think Trey Lance is going to start. Or at least I have thought shared... Jimmy G was going to start, but he I might. Could yeah, be wrong. I think they're either going to do like a co thing, or they're going to at least get Lance in, involved. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, I guess I guess all of them minus yeah Kyle Trask because obviously Brady. But man, I don't know how good Kyle Trask is going to be in the NFL, but it can't hurt to have Tom Brady like as your quote unquote mentor or whatever you want to call it. I mean, you can't learn from anybody better. <laughs> Good coach, good quarterback. That's a that's a good combination that's, for a young guy. That's that's the thing. I I almost feel like uh I mean, outside of maybe a Belichick, um, 
I mean, it's hard to it's hard to go against Brady because like he could basically be the coach. I feel like I, I, he almost kind of is. I mean, did he shake off what was a Byron Leftwich or did the, the the sideline on Thursday night and he, you know, pulled out that win at the end? I I feel like Brady like he just knows. Not only can he execute, but he knows what they should do and how they're gonna you know eventually win. When you win seven Super Bowls, you learn a thing or two about winning along the way. And he's gone. He's gone to ten. So I mean, even yeah, ten. Yeah, it's crazy. For, you know, we were talking about Ohio State quarterbacks and all that, um, or, or like Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech. Even Brady being a six-round draft pick. And it, I mean, even Michigan. What's the last big Michigan quarterback? Well, besides Brady, the, the last big Michigan quarterback, or I mean, any Good of these question. schools, or you know, whether it's Notre Dame, Michigan, whoever. Um, it just shows you how random it can be. And I mean, even Brady wasn't exactly setting the world on fire. I think, I think I watched the documentary it was on YouTube, but it was from like the NFL network, I believe like a couple months ago. And it was basically all about that draft class of Brady and all the quarterbacks taken ahead of him. And their stories are of course tied. And, you know, I think they said that Brady was projected to go kind of middle, you know, third, fourth round, second, third round, something like that. So it wasn't like he wasn't supposed to be a decent draft pick. It just, for whatever reason, he fell all the way to 199, sixth round. But as much credit as New England might get for drafting him, they, of course, passed on him, too, several rounds before that. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, that's true. Did you guys watch uh, yesterday's game between the Cubs and the Giants? I saw a little bit of it. I saw the tribute with with Bryant. I saw that, too. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that as well. And then things kind of went south in the game, really south. I'm like, okay, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel pretty decent about the the moves and some of these guys that we've seen. I know, I know that you know they're all lottery picks, and half of them may not even turn out to be anything. But at least so far, they all seem to be doing pretty well in their respective leagues and on their teams. And even the Udarvish trade, um, Udarvish hasn't been all that great with San Diego. They've been bad lately, anyways. Uh, even Snell, you don't trade with the Tampa Bay Rays apparently because Snell has not been anything close to what he was. They Tampa know Bay when to insane. get rid of their guys. They know yeah. when to get rid of their guys, get top value, and they just keep restocking their system with more top 100 guys. It's amazing. And they spend what? Like $30,000, 30, $30 million, yeah, 30. not 30000 Maybe they yeah. do spend 30000 $30 million on payroll. Yeah. And they just, it's, ins- it's amazing. I think they could have gotten more for Darvish, but probably were. I mean, I don't know. They probably could have traded him at the deadline again and you know, maybe gotten a little bit more, but I mean, look, think about it. Let's say San Diego doesn't have Darvish and you know, it's trade deadline day and the Cubs have them and they're going to move them. Think about the fact that San Diego missed out on Max Scherzer and their season has gone down ever since. How much would they have paid to get a guy like you Darvish? Then you would think, well, but I don't know. That's too many. What ifs? Cause too much would have changed. Maybe San Diego is not even in the position that they are in at that point. But yeah. Did you watch that game yesterday, Kyle? I did not. Uh, you know, after the trade deadline, I did watch a lot of games after it because, you know, obviously I love the Cubs and everything. But uh, since school started, I, I'm also coaching middle school baseball right now and I only have a few few more weeks left. So I just been I've been so busy just with school and that. 
that when I have been coming home, I've just been watching like Netflix. And uh, I mean, I haven't really been watching a whole lot. Uh, I've been keeping track of it, uh, track yeah. of the Cubs, of course. But same. Yeah, I uh, I, I didn't get, I didn't watch the game yesterday. So yeah, I I really haven't been watch- I haven't really been going out of my way to watch the Cubs really for a while now. But I have been keeping up with them every day, checking the score. And you know, I did get kind of excited with Schwindel. We're gonna talk about him, but Schwindel and and uh, Wisdom and. Some of these guys that are just coming up and having fun with Frank Schwindel and Patrick Wisdom, these guys are like 29, 30. So they're obviously not part of the next core. But, I mean, who knows what's going to happen the rest of this season. I mean, we have a few more weeks to go. But the offseason, and they, they might be on the team next year for sure because who else are you going to have at, the, at this point? And they're playing well, at least right now. But I don't know how much you can really expect that to carry on, carry over, and continue. But at least it's been fun. I mean, I know George, <laughs> I'm throwing George's name out there. He's one of like many that might think like, okay, let's just lose these games. And I get that. But it's also fun to see those guys have it. They're having a chance and they're making the most of it. And they're still going to get a better draft pick anyways. I don't really think they can lose much more. They're not going to finish below Pittsburgh, for instance. But no, it was kind of it was kind of funny to watch them. You know, Schwindel has been just insane. A couple of days um, ago when we were in that conversation with Ryan, but like, I mean, the MLB draft is, it's not the best shoot. player that goes each pick. You know, it's its all about the money situation and stuff. So like, you know, even if we're like, you know, five through 10 or 10 through 15, we still may get a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, uh, like I was trying to say is like, you know, I'm glad Frank's doing good. I'm glad Patrick's doing good and Ortega and, you know, Hermosito did, I think, well in some uh the few games he played. But, you know, I'm glad for them. You know, I'm not rooting for them to fail, you know, because even if we even if we do get a f- top five pick, you know, what if we're the Astros and we took Mark Appel, you know, a guy that never did anything so right yeah i mean remember shoot. when remember when seth beer was a can't miss prospect he's actually coming up to the big leagues now but you know when he was before the draft people were trying to tank for him and it just in baseball it's really hard to tank for someone like it just it's it's not the nfl and it's not the nba it's it's very different it's more like hockey where you can get a lot more talent in different spots of the draft. I mean, you can look at a number of guys who weren't necessarily the highest of picks. Yes. Chris Bryant was a high pick. He was number two. Uh, you know, you mentioned Mark Appel we were pretty lucky. They took the Astros took him above Bryant. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's talent found in all different places. And the thing about this rebuild that I tell people is it's, higher risk, higher reward than the last rebuild. The last rebuild was built with a lot of college draft players. So Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant, they had pedigree. You know, they, they were more solidified in what they were. What the Cubs are doing now is they're getting a lot of teenagers. So high schoolers, international signings, and they don't have as high of a pedigree on them, but you look at, where some of these guys come from and what tools they have, you know, they could develop into legitimate top 100 prospects within the next year. I mean, look at Christian Hernandez. He's 17 years old and he's already being put on top 100 lists and he's 17. And you could look at other guys like Owen Casey, 
Reginald Prisciato, who came over in the Darvish deal. And they've got the potential, I think, to get into that top 100 next year. You, we, There's a lot of uncertainty with these young guys, but the system is very deep now and it's very young. So there's a lot you have to work with, which is good because we've seen where you can have a great farm system when it's really just top heavy. You got four top 100 prospects. Great. Once those guys get to the big leagues, your farm system dips to like 27. So having a deep farm system is good. The only thing is, and this is what, this is what I also say as well. The Cubs preach that this is going to be a quick rebuild. And I just, I don't know how you're going to make it quick when your farm system is so young and deep, you have to replenish an entire rotation just to start off in a bunch of other places. So it's not a bad thing to have a deep young farm system, not at all. But if you're trying to do a deep, you know, a, a quick rebuild, it's going to be tough. It is. Well, my thoughts, especially if you're trying to go out and sign guys, you know, you got to convince guys or, you know, like Wilson was saying, like, he'll resign as long as he sees a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, sure. So it's going to be hard to convince free agents like, hey, come to the Cubs right now. You know, we don't. Well, it sounded like Contreras wants an extension. I think he wants to be V guy. And I like Contreras a lot. I just don't know how much you pay for a catcher who's, what is he, around that 30 mark? Well, to your point, Will, I think there might be a scenario in the future where you see him do more of other things than catching. Left so field, let's yeah. say they, I mean, DH. yeah, left field, first base, DH, if they get the DH in the NL, because he's played other positions before. We've seen it. So that might be an option. Yeah, so Contreras could be that guy. Um, and if he stays, that might help a guy say, oh, I want to go there. You know, sometimes I look at players that go to teams and I'm just like, why is that guy going there? But then you look at a guy like George Springer. The Blue Jays are a fun team. They're, 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 they could be a playoff team this year. Uh, same thing with Manny Machado and the Padres. I was like, that's just a money grab. And it was, except they are a good team. Well, at least they were. They're kind of iffy right now. But yeah, and then, I don't know, Nick Castellanos is probably going to opt out of the Reds deal. He would be great, but I also don't know if he wants to go to Chicago, even though it seems I think he wanted to stay there and loved it. But is he want to because is he going to want to go to that situation? If but maybe that maybe their plan is just throw money at people, which would be so ironic because that's what they've been resisting for the last couple of years. But they I also kind of they just I also to. I also kind of get it because how much do you give Rizzo? How much do you get? I know Bryant people would say give him the moon, but let's not deny the fact that you know. He does have the ailments that pop up. Anybody can. I don't know. What do you pay these guys? This group was not working as a collective unit. Individually, yeah, they could, They should, and all, I hope they all get the most that they can. But something had to give, and this team just wasn't working anymore. Now, if you, could, if, you, if you could get Chris Bryant back, I don't think he comes back. I don't know if he stays in San Francisco, but he seems to like it out there a lot, mm-hmm. and it seems like it could make sense. But if he does come back to Wrigley, I mean, sure, like, yeah, do it. But obviously that, you know, that unit together for whatever reason just wasn't working. And even Kyle Schwarber has looked good. I got off to a bad start, but they got on a tear in Washington. And I haven't really been keeping up with him in Boston, but I think he's been doing well. So, yeah. So there you go. The guy is finally becoming the guy that they all thought that he Mm -hmm. could be. Uh, and I don't know, maybe the Cubs have just, maybe they're just on another curse. Maybe that's all it is. <laughs> Sold their souls. 
I, I wanted to talk about the Hall of Fame. So, Pat, you've been to Cooperstown, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, 2014. What about what about you, Kyle? I have not. My parents have been, but that's one of the goals and uh, I would like to do sometime in my life is go there. So you said you've been there and you were in tw- uh, there in 2014. Yeah. Pat. So that was the class. Um, I think Tony Larusa was in that class. Maddox was in that class, I believe. Yeah, because I wore my Greg Maddox uh, shirt down there. Um, we went in August. Actually, my I went with my uh, mom and dad. My brother wasn't there, but it was me, my mom, and my dad. And we actually signed up to be like members of the, like, you know, like guest members. So they're always sending us stuff, which is really cool. We get like the yearly magazine with everything. And it's, it's awesome. And the best part of it is it's not just like, it's not just like, oh, there's a museum and here's just this random place that it's in. Like everything about Cooperstown is baseball themed. You have Doubleday Field. You have the Louisville Slugger uh, bat place. You have all these baseball themed stuff there. Um, Some really cool stores. You could buy like memorabilia and cards and stuff like that. And some really good grub there. Good, good restaurants. I, I love Cooperstown. Just a great vibe. Yeah. So, um, so you were there in August. That was you were you were mentioning the class, but you weren't there for the actual induction. No, right? just, you were just no. at Cooperstown, right? Yeah. So it's cool because this was my first time to Cooperstown, but it was also a solo trip. So it's the first time I've done like a solo vacation. Nice. I've traveled. I've traveled solo before, but I've never just done something by myself. You know, not meeting up with somebody I knew at the location, and you know, so. This actually goes back to like 2014 because it was going to be Jeter's last year. And so, yes, I am a Cubs fan for those that are listening. I do have like the Yankee ties because family slash the Clippers, Columbus Clippers were their farm team. So I kind of grew up with some, you know, I have some of, I have a little bit of a connection. It's not like I just picked this random ass AL team as the Yankees. Anyway, so in 2014, uh, when Jeter was announcing his last season, I was like, man, it'd be so cool to go to his induction. So I was going to go last year. I was like, I'm just going to do it. I actually booked, so I, I kept thinking about it. I think it goes back to November, 2019. I was like, oh yeah, I should probably get on that. So I kind of waited until about March of 2020, right before COVID, like literally the week that everything went to hell. It was like that weekend before that. So I was like, I should get on this. So I started looking and I was like, holy crap, I can't find the hotel anywhere in the vicinity of Cooperstown because everything is bu- is just booked up for Cooper. Yeah, you know, obviously the induction at the small town as it is. So I, I got a hotel. I kept looking at all these hotels and I wasn't going to drive. I was going to I didn't want to fly because I was trying to save money. So I was going to take a train or whatever. And, um, but between that and trying to get a rental car, the logistics were a nightmare. So I had a hotel like an hour away and I was like, fine, I'll make that commute. Well, then it all got canceled anyway. And I was like, this probably works out for me personally, just because that was going to be kind of a nightmare. I'll do it if I don't get there for it, whatever. I mean, you know, but then they announced that they were just going to delay it till this year. And then they were like, never mind, it's going to be a private ceremony. So on, on New Year's Day, I got in a hotel and um, I was I was going to be set. And then uh, then that was about, I don't know when it was, earlier this year, 
they said they were just gonna make it a private ceremony so i was like well that sucks i'll just go to cooperstown another time then but then they were like never mind again we're going to make it so that it's assigned seating or not assigned seating but you had to get like a ticket mm-hmm. to go to the, the the lawn the lawn where the induction is is free and it was still going to be free i believe but you had to register to get like a ticket so the kind of i think you know the whole crowd control type thing but then they changed their mind again and said we don't need you don't have to get tickets anymore you it's just you can just come so i was like in, Ju- in june i got my hotel you know i was set um and it was great because i didn't have to pay for my hotel until i got there so i didn't pay anything really it was just okay i have a hotel and as long as nothing happens i can just go up there or i can cancel if need be so anyway got there tuesday it was a seven-hour drive. It really wasn't that bad. It was a really easy drive, in fact. Not bad at all. Um, when I got there, it was about 2.40 in the afternoon. I uh, I was like, well, I have nothing to do. I'm just going to drive to Cooperstown, which is 30 minutes away from where I was staying. And my my goal, my hope was that I could get out and maybe park and just walk around. I, I, I wasn't going to go into the hall yet because I don't know if this is how it always is, but uh the way it is at least right now is you have to reserve a ticket to go into the hall itself i think again i think it's just to keep the crowd control the crowd size at a a certain number or whatever i don't know so the town was small parking is limited so i knew going in that there were certain lots that i could park at on an induction day but going back to tuesday real fast so i was like okay parking might be tough might not be so I just drove down there and I was hoping I could get out and just kind of walk around because I my ticket to get into the hall was going to be for Wednesday at 11 a.m. So I wasn't going to be going in Tuesday, but at least drive down there and scope out the area. And um, it wasn't super busy, but there were people out and about and the parking was so confusing because I saw these signs like no parking or you could pay to do this. So I'm like, well, I don't feel like doing all that. So I just drove down there and eventually just drove back basically. But I got to kind of see the area and I was looking at the lots and I realized like there's these colored lots that you can park at and they're for like first come first serve or small. They, they fill up fast. So I was like, well, the induction's one thirty in the afternoon on Wednesday. I'll plan to get there early, like literally like 8 a.m. So I got up at seven or no, I got up at like six, six thirty and was out by seven thirty and got there about eight and went right to the lot that I GPS and no problem was able to park. It was free. And then they have like a trolley that goes back and forth and you just pay five bucks and you're, you're good. So I was like, all right, the first step is done. I found parking because I was kind of not worried. I knew it was going to work out, but it was just one last thing to have to worry about. So I parked, got to the induction. So I got, I get on a trolley from there. They take you to Cooperstown, the hall itself. And then you get on a bus and they could take you right to the induction site. And you can just bring your chairs, your, if you have a cooler, whatever backpacks so uh basically i had my chair set up at the induction site it was 8 30 in the morning for instance so i'm like okay i've got five hours to kill but i already knew that i was going to go back to the hall to go in at 11 so i sat there and i ended up um kind of making friends with this this father's son and it's funny because i actually made a connection with the son he actually does digital marketing stuff too and he's gonna help me with the pod in terms of video stuff so Ended up making a networking contact, which was cool. So I kind of was able to kind of hang with them a little bit, and we were talking and stuff. But uh, yeah, so I sat there, just kind of killed time, went back to the hall. I went I, I went in for like an hour. If I had thought about how this would work or how this could work, I would have scheduled myself to go in at like 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. to give myself a few hours. But I set it for 11 because I just didn't know what to expect. So I went, I went back into town. I walked back. It was like a 
10, 15 minute walk, 20 minute walk. So I walked back, went into the hall and I just went through it as fast as I could, just taking all these pictures. Cause I knew I was going to come back. They let you come in and out. They, you know, you can go in and out Mm -hmm. throughout the day. They stamp your hand. You're good to go. So I knew that I had time to come back. So I went through as fast as I could taking all these kinds of pictures. And, you know, so I, I, I was in there for about an hour and then I go outside and end up meeting up with the father's son that I had set my chair up by. And then that's when we started talking and uh, we all walked back. And that's when I found out that he does digital marketing and he's, he's been looking for work in that field. And he's going to help me do video stuff for the podcast, which is nice. cool. And he used to be a base, baseball intern. So yeah. So it's really kind of funny how that played yeah. out, but, but, uh, but uh, so anyway, we went back. It was awesome. Uh, so yeah, Michael Jordan and I were at the induction. <laughs> no, but yeah, Jordan was there. Mm-hmm. You probably saw it on Instagram. Michael Jordan was there with like Alfonso Soriano. Uh, they're all they're all part of Jeter's his guests, and um, obviously, um, as you can imagine, so the 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 induct the inductees were uh, Ted Simmons, Marvin Miller, Larry Walker, Derek Jeter, and that was the order that it went in because you knew Jeter would be last. So. Um, the weather was pretty good. It was sunny. It was kind of warm, not too hot. And we had to worry about rain, which didn't really happen until at the very, after it was over. And then it was just stormy. It was just like downpour storms, but it all worked out. But, uh, yeah. So I was thinking too, Michael Jordan was there and it's probably like the few, like one of the few times in his life, at least since he's become the world icon that he is that he could be at at an event and not be the headline attraction like it wasn't like it wasn't like he was announced that he was there i saw it on instagram so people knew but it wasn't like they made a a big deal of because it wasn't you know he's there as a guest it's not like it's his event but uh kind of cool but yeah so they had all the hall of famers come out or at least the ones that were there and i don't know how many are typically there or how many typically of the living hall of famers that can I know it's as many as that can be there are there. I kind of felt like the group was more or less the typical size, but I also feel like it was a little bit smaller too. Like Greg Maddox, for instance, wasn't there, but guys that were there were like Griffey, uh, Fergie Jenkins, uh, Jack Morris, uh, Rod Carew. I'm trying to think of other names, but yeah, guys like that. Uh, Frank Thomas. So it was really cool. They each had their speech. Um, or Donald Fear did it for Marvin Miller. But uh, so that was pretty cool to be at. And then uh, I went back to the hall and then I had a few hours to kill in there and really soak that in. So it was a good, successful solo trip. And also, I was just relieved that it all was, I was kind of just relieved that it had all happened and that it was just done because I was looking forward to it and it was exciting to actually go through it all. But I was just, kind of thinking about so much going into it because I was like, okay, I got to figure out parking. I got to be sure I get here at 11. So it all just worked out the way it needed to. And that was like relief. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. But uh, yeah, it was good. And uh, it's like a seven hour drive, which seems long, but it was so easy. And I was like, man, I could knock this out. Like I could really go back anytime and drive up and back. And I mean, next time I would go probably during a normal time, not the induction ceremony and at least stay in the town or closer to the town and it would be less crowded or whatever. So um, definitely looking forward to going back whenever in the future, but um, yeah, good times. I just looked at the Cubs score just to go on a little tangent. 15, three. Yeah. 15, three. Oh, I guess. Okay. I just guessed that 15, three, but 
We have two on oh. and nobody out in the bottom of the ninth. They're probably going to rally. Nick Martini is batting. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I knew it was at least 12-3. I guessed on the 15 and I was right. So, yay. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's because it's the Cubs and, you know, going back to the team and just their flaws as a collective unit. Now, individually, I like all those guys. I know Bias has his flaws, but you know what he can do. I don't know how, I don't know what the price tag on a guy like Bias is, but um, going back to Bryant, um, I just, I'm always worried about these, uh, these, these contracts, like the, the, the numbers and stuff. But then I look at the Dodgers and Mookie Betts isn't exactly having a 300 or $400 million year right now, but they don't even care. They just throw money and get guys. And it's like, you know what? Maybe I need to just, I need to stop worrying about that. Not that I have any, um, not that I have any uh, power anyway, but it's yeah. like it's like maybe I should stop even caring and just be like, you know what? Chris Bryant is a really good player when he's on and when he's healthy, mainly when he's healthy. He's always pretty much on, but when he's healthy. And maybe I should stop thinking in terms of, well, you know, I know you can't just give anybody any kind of money and just think more of it from the Dodgers perspective and be like, you know what? They're a big market team that wants to win and they do whatever it takes to win and they throw money, they get Scherzer, they do this, and it's like, maybe that's how the Cubs really need to be. Even if it's not realistic, maybe I need to be less realistic and more like just thinking about it in terms of, you know what, he's a good player, he meant a lot for the team, and he's going to get paid for what he is going forward. The Giants seem to want to do that. You know, maybe my, my, maybe my thinking is... Uh, maybe I shouldn't think the way I do in terms of players, but I always... I always it's like I... It's kind of like we were talking about the Rays. The Rays know when to let really good players go, and they just refill. The Cubs' problem, and most teams' problems, is they can't just refill like the Rays do. And I also don't know if I want to be the Rays. I mean, they are really good. If I was a fan, I'd be super excited. But again, you can't really get attached to anybody. But maybe that's not the worst thing if that team is just going to keep winning anyway. So it's kind of a fine line between I do wish the team could run like the Rays in terms of always churning out top prospects and still winning. But it's got to be tough if you get attached to a certain player and then they're gone. You know, so it's, I don't know. I guess at the end of the, end of the day, though, you want to win. The Rays do that. Now they have to win the World Series, but they at least are in position to yeah, do so. Yeah, you know, it's just, you want it, like you said, you want to be the Rays in terms of developing guys, but you want to be able to spend like a big market team, whether it's LA or New York or Boston. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned the whole money thing and kind of the status of the team. Remember in 2016 when we were steamrolling people and Jason Hayward was making all that money and he was batting 230? We didn't really care in 2016. They were winning and they got a World Series out of it. But then when things started going south and we've been paying Jason Hayward all these years, then you kind of say, well, um, is he ever going to rebound? And he, to his credit, he kind of did. From 2018 to 2020, he was much better. He was never worth his contract, but he was much better. And, you know, now this year it's really fallen off again. Um, so it goes to show what big money can do to players just based on the status of the team. I mean, remember in 07, 08, we were paying Alfonso Soriano that money. He was producing, they were winning. And then later on, they started falling and Soriano was making a lot of money. And, you know, that's when the contract was being pointed out to a lot more. I mean, at the end of the day, the Cubs payroll as it is right now in 2022 is going to be extremely low extremely low and if you want a quick turnaround you need to bring in impact players and 
you hope that you can sell what you're doing to guys. Kind of like what Kyle said earlier. It's like, they want to come here. You're going to want to make them come here. And you might have to sell a few things like, Hey, we got a future middle infield of two great contact guys in Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal. And we have Wilson Contreras as our anchor. We're growing these prospects. We're trying to sign. If you got, I mean, you're going to have to sell it, but part of selling it really at the end of the day, you got to pay up. You can't be stingy. You can't rely on just your brand and your stadium bringing in guys. You want to nudge them, show them the money. I I agree with that. You you do got to show them the money. And uh, I have no, I have no idea what they'll do. Uh, You know, like you guys said earlier, uh, Castellanos is a perfect fit and I would love to have him back. I love watching him play. But again, this is a whole different team than he was, uh, you know, two years ago when he was here or three years ago. So does he want to come? And then if, you know, we weren't willing to give him the money, you know, two years ago, are, are we going to be willing to fork up that money? Even though we have more money, like, you know, Pat was saying right now. So uh, we shall see what happens. Well, there's one more thing I want to talk about in terms of the future of the Cubs. And I made this statement briefly. But I can't stress this enough. They need to overhaul that rotation. Like, it needs an overhaul. And I said this on Swirsky Sports last week, and I know it might upset a few people, but I love Kyle Hendricks. I love the guy, and I want him to stay. He cannot be your ace, though, going forward. You need legit number one guys with stuff. Not 89 miles an hour. I'm talking 95 plus. If you want to make a statement, go out and get a Marcus Stroman. That's what I say. Try to lure him here. Bring in a legitimate ace to this team. Kyle Hendricks, I like him as on a contending team going forward. I like him as a three. He just as good as he's been in the postseason in big games. This new crop of ball players that are coming up, and this this is kind of just my opinion. I don't exactly have the numbers to back this up, but I feel that the next crop of ball players that are coming up, they know how to hit that kind of stuff that Kyle Hendricks throws. Even if it's well-located, they wait back on it. They let it fly. And, you know, maybe Kyle Hendricks is tipping a little bit. Maybe that is an issue. I'm not sure exactly. You look at the spin rates, they're not that different from normal. But you see instances where he's laying it right over, and you see instances where he's throwing a changeup down where normally you say, yeah, that could fool a batter. But they're waiting back and they're smacking it. And I just think the way baseball is played now, you know, high slugging, I think that guys might just be a little better at picking up that kind of thing, at hitting it far. So I still think he could be effective going forward. I'm not writing him off. He had a good start the other day against the Giants. I just don't, he can't be your number one. You need a guy with stuff. Yeah, considering where the Cubs are, I mean, maybe they maybe they look to trade him. I don't know. I, I like I like Hendricks a lot too, but you're probably right. He's probably not like the number one. He's probably a middle of the guy, two or three guy on a really good team. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I they should keep him. I I mean, you need somebody you can trust in that rotation. But Albert Alzali, I like him as a reliever more than a starter personally. And Alec Mills, I think as a five is fine. But you need at least three more guys. And hopefully Jordan Wicks is one of those guys, the guy they just drafted this year. Um, But bring in two free agents that are legit. No more of this uh, waiver crap. No more of this, 
Let's bring in more Zach Davies type bullshit. Just bring in legitimate talent. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Davies would be yeah. better, but he really hasn't been good. And, uh, yeah. Oh, I saw the Alec Mills baseball, the no hitter ball in nice. the Hall of Fame. That was really cool. I did not see, I don't think I saw Arietta's, but I'm trying to remember now. We'll close on this. What's your big expectation or what's your big, uh, what, what are you looking forward to tomorrow? Like what's a, what's a big, uh, I don't know, uh, surprise prediction you want to make NFL. I'm going to go to prediction that Mac Jones doesn't have a good game. I just, you know, he beat, he beat Cam Newton now. And I, I know Cam Newton isn't, you know, the best quarterback, but I was, I was surprised they were so quick to, go to Mac Jones over Cam Newton, especially since they signed him to a one-year $10, uh, $10 million contract. Um, but I just I, – I can't see myself getting past Andy Dalton doing well. So, I mean, you never know. It could be any day, uh, any game that Justin Fields could be making his debut. So, I, I don't really know if I have any wild predictions for the Bears game per se, but – um, the CBS primetime game is Cleveland, Kansas City, which I think could be a great matchup. And um, I'm probably going to be very wrong on this prediction, but I'm going to make a nice uh, upset pick here and say Cleveland is going to beat KC because I think Cleveland, I mean, on paper, they're very good. And um, if they all do mesh again this year, I think they're going to have a very good season. And I mean, the Chiefs will be the Chiefs, no question. But um, you know, maybe maybe we'll still get a nice little upset here. Maybe uh, Baker Mayfield will lead his team to victory on the road in KC. That's the thing. Cleveland is is a sexy pick for a lot of people, and might even be like a Super Bowl pick for some people. I just look for them to be consistently good again and not fall flat on their face and be the Browns of old or Cleveland of old because that's happened. And you know what? That could happen too. That's the thing. You know, like I, if they just fell on their face this year and things just went to crap, would we be surprised? Would Would anyone be surprised? No, no, no. Now, uh, not my my prediction is not really bold. I don't think, but I'm gonna. I think it it can still qualify. Uh, so we know the Aaron Rodgers drama, and we know the fact that I don't think he played in any preseason whatsoever. He has a big game tomorrow. No, he looks no. like the Aaron Rodgers of the MVP of last year. No rust. I mean, he might have rust. Fine. He'll have a typical game. No issues. Packers beat the Saints. Saints have Winston. I, I think it's interesting. I don't think, I don't, I don't know what to make of the Saints. I don't expect them to be very good. Maybe nine, 10 wins, maybe. But I know Winston did have the, the corrective eye surgery, I believe before last year. So if that helps him not throw interceptions and he still throws 30 plus touchdowns. Okay. Maybe that's a good roll of the dice for them. But I don't really expect much. I guess the only difference is Drew Brees is a legend, but we know how old he, you know, he was, he was definitely slowing yeah. down last year. I don't think he could yeah. throw the ball anymore really like he used to. And Winston, I think can at least air the ball out. So if he doesn't get picked off, at least, oh, yeah. you know, Saints might've been. He's more athletic than Drew Brees yeah. would be now. So I do think Green Bay wins and uh, Rodgers 350 plus yards. Yeah, I think 350 yards, four yeah. touchdowns, honestly. Yeah. I don't think anything's going to nope, stop him. he is indestructible. Going back to your uh, Winston, I I actually agree with you because when you know he first got that surgery during the offseason, that was my exact thoughts. I was like, well, if he hasn't been able to see the last couple of years, now, you know, I know he isn't the greatest 
you know, decision maker, but that could have played a role into it. So that was my expectations when um, he got the surgery. I was like, man, he might, he might come out and su- yeah. surprise some people and he won the job, you know, from Hill. So I get, I will see what happens, but uh, it'll be interesting to see tomorrow. And he's got the coaching staff behind him too. You know, it's like a good staff. You guys should plug both of your podcasts and sports networks that you're a part of. All right. Uh, I, I'm on a breath of fresh football. It's just my personal podcast with my uh, friend, Logan. Uh, we do that. And my Twitter is at Kyle Schmidt 13. So if you would like to go follow, I'm sure I would interact with you talking sports sometime. I, I will say this. Kyle is like the best at gifts. I crack up at every gift that he posts and it's so great now because now it's at the point where I don't even have to tag half of you guys. I know, I know Pat, you're on Twitter sporadically, which is probably the best move anybody could make, but I could say, see George and George will follow up. I don't even have to tag him. He just sees it and knows. To <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, co-hosts of the Swirsky sports talk, Chicago podcast, check out Swirsky Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube. You could also check out my Cubs writing at cubbiescrib.com. I also have a little personal blog, Alex Pat Sports Chat, WordPress.com. You can also check me out at YouTube, Alex Pat. I used to be the big tweeter at ShyFanPat1. ShyFanPat1 has now been resting in peace for a year now. It's been a year. But you could check out my other backup account, ShyFanPat2 where I just post very sporadically, usually my articles and checking in every now and then. So yeah, it's it's been a year since I kind of left the regular Twitter sphere. And yeah, but every now and then you might see me on there saying howdy do or posting something. So yeah, if you want to see that stuff, check it out. Yeah, that's, that's all I had, boys. So good talk. Yeah, thanks, man. It was good talking to y'all. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, good chatting, and we'll uh, we'll all convene soon, reconvene again soon. Three, two, one, zero, zero, and lift.